Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Ruben Rojas. So Ruben is a friend of mine that I met seven, eight years ago at an experiential leadership program down in Los Angeles. And that is Ruben's hometown, LA, born and raised. And he was actually a financial advisor at the time that I met him. So he was suit and tie every day, very successful. In fact, he spoke about this in the interview that growing up, he actually had aspired to potentially become a surgeon as well or a doctor. And when I first met Ruben, he was at a point in his life where he just knew that he wasn't completely fulfilled. He felt like there was something else inside of him. He There was an artist inside of him that was just waiting to break through. And at the right place, at the right time, this program existed that ultimately brought all of us together. And I still remember this, that you know, we had a community service project that we did with this program. And in this case, it was to actually paint a mural on the side of a building uh, down in, in Venice, in Los Angeles. And Ruben sketched something together. And one of the other guys in our group that we were involved in there saw what he had done and said, you've got an amazing talent here. And it was almost like a tipping point that unlock for Ruben to just say, this is what I'm here to do. And it really revolved around a single word, which is love. And Ruben has built an entire brand a whole business around this, um, a movement behind this. He creates art using the word love, as well as other words, of course, too. But that is kind of the focal point of much of his artwork. And this artwork is physical. It's also digital. He's now doing NFTs. Uh, We spoke about, ultimately, the evolution of him as a person and what brought him to this place of realizing that love is the answer. And that we have choice in this world. We can come from a place of love or we can come from a place of fear. We spoke about examples of this and how it shows up in our life. And, you know, Ruben, I think, is somebody that you're just going to really enjoy meeting. And I encourage you to go and check out him, to follow what he's doing, uh, to send him a text message. He referenced this. I'll link it up in the show notes as well. You can send him a text message and he'll fire you off some words of inspiration coming from a place of love a couple of times a week. This kind of thing can have a massive impact on the world if we just showed up with a little bit more love, compassion, gratitude to people around us, to our community, to our country, to our world, and you know, ultimately to our families, the people that are closest to us. So uh, this is another episode that I'm really proud of, something that I can't wait to share with you. So let's go ahead and give it a listen. <laughs> All right, Ruben Rojas, how are you doing, my friend? It's been good. What we were just saying eight years, seven years, crazy. It's been a while, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, we see each other on social, you know, and yes. then sometimes that gives you that false sense of, hey, I've checked in, I've kept up a little bit, you know. Yeah, I think we also have, you know, we're definitely deep into fatherhood now, and who knows what else. That's right, man. Well, that's where, you know, I was saying before we flip the switch here, it'll just be good to catch up with you, number one. But I was explaining to you at the start that, you know, I created this podcast really honestly to like give me an excuse to reach out to people that, 
inspire me, people that have stories to tell, people that are willing to share vulnerably and honestly about the messy journey that is life and everything in between. And, you know, hopefully it inspires other people. So uh, you are one of those individuals, my friend. I remember our time when we first met, which was like 2013. You reminded me, I always thought it was 2014, but um, we of course experienced a experiential leadership program together, did that together for about five, six months type thing. And it was pretty life-changing for me. And I, I think for you as well, obviously this, this is what we'll dig into here because the Ruben that I met at that time was uh, a very different person than the person that you are today. It's mm-hmm. fair to say, I would, I would say, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Definitely. So let's, uh, I really want to dig into that and, you know, to just ground us in the conversation too, there's a quote by Brene Brown that I'll read out for us here, which is, one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through and it will be somebody else's survival guide. And she actually said that on a TED Talk, which we were just talking about that a second ago too, because you've done one already and now you're queued up to do number two here pretty quickly, eh? Like within a week? Next Saturday, yeah. Yeah, what was that first talk all about? And then what's, what's going to be the uh, topic of choice for the second one here? So the first one was uh, titled Taking Back My City One Mall at a Time, or Our Cities One Mall at a Time. And I was really talking about how, you know, I tied in some social stuff and this and that, but it's like, we have all these walls. They're hideous. Yep. We could put up awesome art. But we've got billboards just in our faces all the time. We don't ask for that. It's just there. So why is it so difficult to, you know, put up a mural with something awesome versus seeing these billboards? So it was kind of really how we can just retake everything back with art through community and have some fun. I mean, and where street art has gone since that talk and since since I started, it's a whole new world too. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah. And then this one's about uh, how procrastinating painfully got me to where I am today. (laughs) So it's a little bit more about the journey from finance guy, suit and tie in the morning, every day at the office to long hair, I haven't worn a suit and tie maybe since my brother's wedding. And then before <laughs> that, my wedding. So Yeah. And now in a studio, it looks like. Paint flying every single day. Yep. That's the new way of life. Love it. And of course, that, I think, you know, and I'd love for you to share this, but would you say that that experience that we shared was almost like an unlock for you? Something something that just happened in that experience or did, or was there something even leading up to it that just made you feel like there was a big change coming up in your life and the financial advisory and, and suit and tie just wasn't uh, fitting your being anymore? Unfortunately, my phone just rang and cut all that <laughs> off. And I didn't hear half of your question. I'm so okay. sorry. No, I'll redo it. And you know what? This is exactly how these are supposed to go. So we're not even going to cut any of that out, just to be clear. <laughs> so my my son is at a callback right now. He booked his first commercial two weeks ago, and now he's in for a second one. So my wife was calling me, and that's the only number that doesn't go on Do Not Disturb. But <laughs> because it rang, 
now we're here. But yeah, that is life, right? That is that is what's happening. It's not an emergency. So let's dive right back in. Got it. Cool. So I'll repeat the question, but dude, that's amazing. And I do want to talk to you about fatherhood and, and being a dad and everything that you got going on there too. So uh, basically what I was um, asking was just, you know, that experience in that time when we met um, leading up to that, did you have a feeling that what you were in at that time, you were a financial advisor, the suit and tie, as you say, did you feel like there was something missing from who you were, how you were showing up every single day? And was that, would you say that that time was kind of an unlock for you? And even that experience over those six months, I'd love to just get the story from you and understand what was leading me up to that point. Totally. So Trevor, when we met, I had already been at the point where I have been depressed. I was miserable. I wasn't happy. And money wasn't the solution or the answer, right? I don't care that my jam's like, bro, you're one of the best in this game. You can make millions, but at what cost and at what sacrifice to be unhappy and miserable or just because I could provide to a family? And I just, I was like, I can't keep going on with this way. I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to get out of bed. I would do everything else to avoid my life. Mm. And, you know, we have a mutual friend, Lewis. He calls me up. Let's get some coffee. That's how we ended up in this workshop together. It was right place, right time. I was ready. I was fed up. But I knew that what I was doing was not my purpose. I knew that what I was doing was only going to lead me down a path of even more depression and misery. And I shouldn't be feeling that way. Like I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. I'm healthy. You know, I don't have issues. I'm not sick. You know, we have all this amazing opportunity, but I'm feeling this way. Mm. You know, life is too short, you know, to feel that way. But life's also really long. And it would probably feel even longer if I'm stuck in that situation. And I just started foreseeing, like, what if I, I wasn't married at the time, I didn't have kids at the time, right? but I'm like, what if I have a wife and I have a couple kids and then they resent me and then my wife and I don't have a good relationship and then we're divorced and then I'm by myself, but I gave you all this money and I gave you a nice house and I gave you all these things, but that's not enough to wipe the stink off my face or the attitude or whatever anger I would have been carrying. Because I started saying, I'm like, this is only going to get worse and compound. And then I will bring that into the relationship. I will bring that home. And that wasn't an option. So I'm like, you know, I tried everything. This is how we ended up in this place that we met together. So, yeah, yeah, I was right there on on that line. Yeah. And what a blessing. Like, I know one of the things I've um, really grounded myself in in the last, like, seven years since that experience, too, was to just embrace all the messy moments even too, you know, like knowing that there's duality and everything. And the fact that you had that almost like forward projection of like, what could my life be like if I stay down this path? And then to ultimately just like put a stake in the ground and say, nope. And then have this opportunity presented in front of you and just play all out, you know? And I spoke to our mutual buddy, Chris Hawker on my podcast recently too, that episode's already published. And I just remember him even too, and you probably remember this too. I think it was um, the first weekend that we were all together, but he had like a major, major, just something that came over him, you know, it was like an energetic release almost, you know? And I remember it at that time, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but I remember watching him going through that experience and thinking like, wow, that was really something. Like, I, 
what happened there? And then immediately for myself, I was like, why am I not getting that experience? What's wrong with me? You know, this was literally a piece that I, I like, this was going through my head, you know? And, and then I saw honestly what, what uh, you know, came up for you even too. Like we did that first mural that I think maybe started some of the inspiration for Beautify Earth too. And I was a part of that, of course, too. And, you know, again, you never look back. Did, did you say that you had a very similar type of experience as to what we saw Chris have as well? It's just his was very um, physical, I guess you would say. And yours was just like straight up action. Like I, I remember you just, this is it. This is what I'm here to do. Uh, yeah, I remember that moment. And, and, and there's a point with like the question you asked. Our experiences were all different and there was no right way or wrong way. Because I remember talking to other of our group, we, we had a little, little bit of a men's group going on because of our mutual friends that all joined us and we had similar qualities. And, and we're like, one person's like, well, I'm not feeling that. Or, I'm not feeling anything. Or, Am I doing it right? Am I doing it? And I'm doing it my way. You're doing it your way. Chris is doing his way. It didn't matter. As long as you went on a journey and realized we're going to come out of this thing a whole different person. But um, that was the inception of painting a mural. We painted that first mural as a community service project. You were part of it. The whole group was part of it. Yeah. Um, Evan saw me sketch that said, hey, that needs to go on a wall, which got that whole thing going. Yeah. But even from then on, you know, that was 2014, 15, 16, 17. Not until 2018 did I stop going to the office. So I was... I still was like, how do I make this work? I don't know how to like make money. I need to like survive. You know, it, it's funny because people are like, we have hobbies. We have things and people are like, how do I turn this hobby into a thing? I'm just going to quit. If you just quit without somewhat of a plan, you know, a hypothesis, a little bit of proof, like you don't need the whole program. But what will happen is you'll go right back to it because of scarcity and fear and, abund- and lack of abundance and all that, but only because I had a formula. People go to work. That is a formula. I call the people and make the meetings. I book the meetings. We move forward. We do some great planning. I make some money and repeat. Yeah. You know, that first mural, we just volunteered. We raised money to pay for, pay for it, right? No yeah, one took home money for that. Everything. Yeah. So it's like, well, what would that look like? You know, yeah. It took a long time to get paid and paid enough to, to make a living. And it took a long time to, to put this brand together that I didn't even know was a brand until recently, right? Because it's like I kept doing the same thing. And I'm like, this is pouring out of me in this way. And then you look back like, wow, from the first mural, yeah, who will you be? It was always about live through love. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect example of that duality conversation too. It's like you spent years honing your craft as a business professional, as a manager of money, as an enroller of people into ideas, that type of thing, right? And it took a few years, it sounds like, because I wasn't aware of kind of that, you know, four or five year period there in between where you were kind of still in transition, but, you know, that it might have never happened if not for your experience that you had before all of this, right? Like it's, it's at least that's how I choose to see all these things now is like, 
you could go a decade doing something and then completely pivots and either choose to see it as like, well, that was a waste or like, look at how this served me on the next step, right? And that's what I'm hearing from you is it really helped you take your your inner artist, which ultimately that's how I see you is like, you're an artist, you're a creative, but at the same time, like you understand the the economics of business and what moves people. And when you marry those together, man, now you can create something pretty powerful. So, and that's just evident from, you know, a distance. Cause like I say, we haven't talked a ton since then, but I see what you're doing, you know, and I see the ripple effect that it's having too. And, and what you've been able to do for building a brand and everything's around love, right? I know this is a, um, everything that you do in your art has the word love in it. You've obviously got a very unique way of how you even spell it out and, and draw it and create it and whatnot. Why love? What was it about that word or what, what does love mean to you? I'd love to hear from your words. Remember that moment in the second phase of our program that we had to stand up and say something and then everyone had to stand up and acknowledge that they felt a true authentic moment? Mm. Yep. You remember what I yelled out? <laughs> I'm guessing it must have been love, man. Was it? It was it was I am love. I am love. Um So I look back at that moment and then I just look at everything. And I was painting, I've been an artist my whole life. Like I I've, I've done it all. It's just no one tells you to go become an artist. They say, go be a doctor, go be a lawyer, go to corporate America, go be a banker, whatever it is. Like I went to school to become a surgeon. I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. Mm. Took a detour into real estate, took a detour into finance. And look at this, full circle, I go back to really being what I was always, which was an artist. Yep. You know, today, creator community is a whole nother world with TikTok and social media. It's whole, now it's like, yo, kid, go become a TikTok sensation. <laughs> right. Plus, we don't know what college is going to look like in 20 years. Like, Oh, I know. You know, I'm, I'm going to prepare yeah. if my son wants to go and learn a skill like becoming a surgeon or whatever, where you do need all of those skills. But who knows what that's going to look like? We have no idea, but it doesn't matter, right? And so I said that at the moment. I've done a lot of things with you. Back in the day, it was more like tagging graffiti culture. And I, I used to really draw comic book covers, like just copy them and draw them over and do some oil painting, weekend classes, nothing ever. I wasn't, I never went to school for art. Um, just maybe a painting class on a weekend or something like that. And I always did names though. I always did typography. I always did that stuff like brave and ticker, and different names and love four letter words. I love four letter words. So, yeah. but why love and why the ethos of love? And if you really look at it, I do use a lot of other words as well, but the mm-hmm. main word and the main brand now you see is this. And it's because we operate out of love, we operate out of fear. Everything else goes under those two pillars. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the simplest way of how do we start looking at this world? And so, so live through love is the act of choosing love over fear. It's an action. It's using it as a verb. It's the act of. It's acting from the heart. And it's a state of active caring. So like... That is what we're looking at. And love is a powerful tool when you start looking at it that way, right? Coronavirus affected everyone. It was a human problem. Yeah. You know, at the beginning, I lost a ton of projects. I lost money that was quote unquote guaranteed coming in for speaking and murals and this and that. But like that, it was gone. And I could have easily been like, I'm a victim and 
gone in, gone in a corner or whatever the case is. But instead, I'm like, no, this is happening to everyone. It could be worse. At least I'm not what's happening here at this level or that level. Or at least I'm not in government trying to figure this thing out. Like there's all these different ways of starting to look at it optimistically and positively and just notice where are you in the fold and then what can you do about it yeah. instead of complaining and being a victim and all that like what what can you do how can you reframe the conversation to the lens of love or gratitude or all these other ways of being right and that's what it really comes down to it's like it's choosing to look at it through love you know i always give this example you're on a freeway Let's say I'm driving, you're late to this interview, and you cut me off on the freeway. Did you do that on purpose to spite me, to piss me off, to make me lose my cool? Or is it because you're trying to get to this interview on time? And it's super easy for me. And I, I mean, I still get mad. I still get, you know, road rage, whatever. But you're like, ah, oh, hold on. Let me rein that back. That was, he didn't do that to me or she didn't do that to me. They have to get somewhere, and I hope they get there safe. Maybe their kid's in an emergency, or they're late for work and about to be fired. Who knows? Or maybe it's just nothing, and they didn't see you. But, like, people aren't out to get us purposely. You know? Very few, anyway. So if we start looking at that, it's like, you know, you point the fingers at politics. Like, they're doing this to oppress me. I'm like, dude, look, I hate wearing a mask. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with politics. I don't know why it's become that, but if someone wants me to wear a mask because it makes them feel comfortable, I'm going to wear a mask for them. It's just respect for another human being. Mm-hmm. And if they don't care if I wear it or not, then I won't wear it. Like it's a balancing act. It's your decision. It's just do your best to, you know, play your role and be accommodating, being a good human and a good person coming from love instead of saying, why are you making me do this? Or, Love that. It's a, it's a choice, right? And it's never been more polarizing than the last 18 months or so since all of this stuff has gone down with lockdowns and travel restrictions and everything else. And um, just recently, I, I've uh, really been diving deeply into spirituality and trying to learn and just, you know, consume and and then just stop being intellectual about it and actually just be and like slow down and meditate more and that type of thing. And somebody pointed me on to a book the other day by uh, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, who actually wrote um, Love is Not an Emotion. And he's got a quote too that is, love is not an emotion, it is your very existence. And I've thrown it on my screensaver now on my computer. And then knowing coming into this interview too, you know, I've been just doing my research of, of, of just trying to wrap my head around like love, like what, what, what is it? What is it? You know what I mean? Cause we have these preconceived notions of what it is in our head and our intellectual mind. And we think about relationships and that type of thing. But the more and more I'm exploring it, it really just is a way of being right. It is your existence. It's your energy. It's everything. Right. And you just gave great examples of that, of uh, context, right putting yourself into a scenario where you don't jump to conclusions and go straight to anger because usually anger is under that fear bucket, right? If you look at it very simply as like love or fear, it's like there's a lot of things that fall under fear that we maybe just default to on a daily basis where if we could be a little bit more conscious about it, we'd we'd probably make different choices. And if love is that word, then what a great trigger to start it, you know? 
Yeah, and it's also not, it's not saying fear is bad. It's more like reacting out of it. Like, there's a good thing for fear, right? As a parent, you're like, oh, my kid could be, like, I should be afraid if he's going to run across the street. Like, fear is is a, a survival part of life. But when you turn on the news and it's like, this many people die, this many people die. My friend shared, the numbers are creeping up again. I'm like, why are we sharing the negative thing again? You know, and I, I called the person out and, and then they're like, people need to know that it's not going away. I'm like, I get that, but then let's word it that way, you know? But uh, to take a line, you know, like intellectual love or homework, Valentine's, like, I think every day should be Valentine's for your significant other and for yourself. Like, mm. take yourself on a date. But, like, why is there a mandatory day for that, you know? And why does it look like X? To take a line out of my uh, my talk... You know, the media has warped love, changed its meaning, and downgraded it to, like, rom-coms and perfectly photoshopped ads. So it's like, do people really look like that? No. But then you have two people, do they really look like that? And they show, give the gift of diamonds or what? You know, the, the, the usual. And they're saying that's what love is, but... No, give someone that because, yeah, you love them. I'm not saying don't give gifts or anything, but that isn't the homely meaning. Or in a rom-com, it's like, this is how couples and relationships should be. And all of a sudden, this is what it's like. I'm like, that's not what it's like. You know, there's little moments in those things. Awesome. And I love movies and I love stories and I love I, I go to them to escape. But we start getting a little conditioned to like, this is how it should be. And then we get a little bit, you know, I call it expectation hangover. You know, I know I get upset when I expected an outcome that I didn't receive. So then I've got to check in like, well, what was, what was it that I was expecting? What was my initial intention for whatever it is that I did? So that means my intention wasn't in the right place. So then I held an expectation that let me down, but it was really me letting myself down. So, you know, do things just to do things and don't expect anything in return. Yeah, what you said there about, um, you know, date your wife or your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, on a daily, not just on Valentine's Day. And then you even said yourself too, right? Like self-love. That's huge, man. I And again, this is the reason why I like doing these conversations is that I know that if you and I just hopped on a Zoom call, we'd probably have that conversation and I'd walk away feeling like, yeah, that landed, but now we've recorded this and this is going to be out there. And I think that's one of the, you know, we talk about the negative effects of social media and just the impact of like vanity uh, metrics and that type of thing. I, I just had Caduce on the podcast recently too, you know, Caduce as well. And he did a, a TEDx talk about that exact topic, right? About, um, I think he called it like a recovering uh, celebrity or something like that, something to that context, Right. But it's just an important reminder for people that, like, this doesn't need to be some outbound, outward projecting thing either. It's just literally, like, it starts with, like, self-love, right? And my contract that I made when I was in our program together was, I don't know if you remember it or not, but I am a vulnerable, honest, romantic man. And I remember choosing those words at that time because I felt like there were things that I wasn't truly being but that I wanted a constant reminder of who I actually am and how I get to be. And, 
you just reminded me again that like the romantic side of me gets to be filled full of love, right? For myself, for my wife, for my kids, for everything. So I appreciate that. Um, See, this is a beautiful part about these conversations. I love it. But speaking of that, so yeah, like since we've uh, last met in person, like seven, eight years ago, we both got married. We both have kids. I got two boys. You got one. Um, What's that been like? Just, you know, that whole experience of uh, just now having a partner in life. And I, I see your photos and stuff of you and your little guy and Maddie's a cute one. And you guys have obviously, uh, you know, put him forward to get him get him into showbiz a little bit, it sounds like, too, right? So, like, they're in the same context of what we're just talking about, right? There's, there's like, men, like, grounded self-love is so important, especially in that business, too, isn't it, right? Otherwise, you can really get caught up in, like, what other people think of you, the public, the person hiring you, whatever it might be. So what's it been like to be a dad? You know... There's nothing like it until you're in it. I can define it. You can define it. Dads can define it all over the place. But until you really experience it, it's not there. I mean, if you've owned a dog or any kind of animal, you know what it's like to love and care for another living thing, right? And that's a beautiful step toward that. And I mean, my dogs are like my family. My dog sleeps with me like we cuddle. He's my everything. <laughs> we got him a year before Remy because we had the whole plan. Like, let's have the dog. He's kind of trained. Remy yeah. gets to grow up with the dog. I grew up with dogs. Like, it also just shows how to care for another life, how to be soft and compassionate. So that'll be also good for his development. But nothing prepares you for it. You know, my mom's always like, wait till you have yours. Wait till you have yours. But she says it in how she wants to define whatever she's talking about in the moment, which is perfectly okay but you know i've had other dads say this this and this and i'm like now it's my turn i'm like it's magical it's amazing it's hard it's challenging it's a responsibility and you know it's like girl versus boy i always wanted boys i always wanted boys never saw myself wanting girls but at the end of the day we're pregnant we're like, it doesn't matter as long as they're healthy. Yeah. Then we found out he was a boy. We were both really happy about that. But if he, if he was a girl, it would have been the same thing. But then it's healthy. Do you have a healthy kid? And what I really realized, it's really about my wife and I. It's not about our kid. We're trying to be the best people we can be because we're the mirror. We're the example. They're looking at us. It's not about us saying, do it this way or do that. It's actually doing it. And now there's a whole new responsibility of, of showing up. And people ask me, like, how is this going to affect your work? I'm like, well, it shouldn't change my work in any way. It should, if anything, just make me keep doing it more and more and more because I'm trying to change the world, and he's in this world, and he's going to be in it behind me. And if he can see that you have the power to create change, then he can go ahead and do that. So it, I take the responsibility on that. Like, I got to show up. But I, I also just take that in everything, right? What I post on social media is who I am when people meet, right? You, you want to be what you are personally, publicly, or in every situation that you are. And I just want to make sure that he sees that, that I'm the same dad at home. I'm the same artist. I'm the same friend. I'm the same partner, husband, all those things as I am dad. 
So, so I look at it that way and I'm excited for him and whatever he does and how he ends up being is, is up to him. Ultimately he chose us and we get to get him to a point of survival, but it's his life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it's beautifully said. It's, it's something that my wife and I ground ourselves in all the time too. And, and not to say that we're always perfect. You knew I already alluded to it as well, right? It's like, it's not like we'd never get angry. It's not like we never get frustrated. Like my, my kids are, well, actually here, I'll show you. So it's almost Halloween as of the time of this recording. And there's my two mm-hmm. boys right there, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. those kids, I don't know if you remember, but um, my wife and I tried to have kids for a couple of years and had a few losses that were very late in uh, preterm, preterm birth. And these two little guys wouldn't be here if not for those experiences. So as devastating as those experiences were, now we've got these kids and we just, we just try to be better every day, you know, and know that we, if we slip up, we're human, you know, we, we wake up at three in the morning sometimes because they're going through growing pains and screaming at the top of their lungs. And Mm -hmm. that's the hard part, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, it's, it's really a unique experience. And I love the way you put that. Ruben, I want to ask you as well, just really quickly before I get into the last set of questions I got for you here uh, about your your artwork and the NFT space too. This is something that is just kind of in the periphery for me, meaning that like I haven't fully dove into it to really understand it, but I understand enough of it just from a bit of consumption of like the impact that this is actually having in the in the artist world. What does it mean to you? What it, and maybe just for anybody that's listening and they're like, NFT, what is this NFT? Do you want to maybe just explain really quickly? And then how is it impacting your business? And ultimately, I think this is a duality question again, because, you know, start of COVID, you lose a bunch of speaking gigs, you lose all these things. But then now, since then, like, man, this is a game changer for the art world, isn't it? Yeah, you know, so NFT, non-fungible token. And what that ultimately means, there's a couple of things. If you ever bought a ringtone to customize your phone, you know, two seconds of three seconds of your favorite song, that is essentially like an NFT. If you ever bought a, a screen saver, because before you actually purchased them what to put on your phone screen, that's like an NFT. So like we've done it before. We've, we've, we've seen it before, but it's hard to now wrap your head around because is it because people don't understand crypto yet? People don't understand digital assets, or they're like, well, I could just snap a photo and now it's mine. Or I could screenshot it and now it's mine. Because as an artist, yeah, people, there's fake, fake of my stuff out there. People scrap a screen. They're like, I don't need to buy that. I'll take a photo and set it as my screensaver. I also throw up, hey, here's your opportunity. Screenshot this. It's your screensaver. So like, like gift that kind of stuff away. But the difference now with the NFT and, and being secured by the blockchain is you release that one digital asset. You have all this metadata tied to it. It says by Ruben, official, yada, 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 in the blockchain, sold for two Ethereum. That now you own. So it doesn't matter if 100 people have a fake copy of it. You're the only one that owns it. You're the only one that has it in your MetaMask or whatever you use as your wallet. And you're the only one that actually can display it or now lease it out, right? There's this whole thing that you can lease out NFTs mm. or resell it and actually get paid. Everyone that has a screenshot of fake or whatever, they have it, but you can't sell it. You can't do anything. 
But it's the same thing of look at a baseball card. A baseball card's an analog NFT. And they made X amount of these baseball cards. And you happen to have a Kobe rookie or a Jordan rookie. You know what those things are worth. And if they're in better condition. So the cool thing about this is also, unless you lose the file and it gets corrupted, you, you don't have that chance of, a, of not having a mint condition or different levels of how good is this comic book or card or whatever you're looking at. So that's the easiest way to kind of wrap your head around it. Now, it's a full-time job. I've released a few collections. I'm dabbling with some stuff. I'm creating some other stuff. But honestly, I need to build out a team to just handle that. Because you, you got to be on Discord. you got to be on Twitter. you just got to be constantly out there and pushing it. But I think CryptoPunk just sold for $5.34 million or something yesterday. I'm just like... I just I don't, I don't <laughs> get it. I don't even get it. But the fact that Ethereum just hit an all-time high, Bitcoin a couple of days ago hit an all-time high, right? 66K, Ethereum's like 4,400 or something. Yep. People have this stuff because they've been in crypto for so long that they, there's so much money in crypto that also helps. So it's like, but how do you build the right thing? Gary Vee did an awesome project. You know, he talks about it and says... It's kind of same thing that I just said. So it, it's up to you, but be careful. It is the wild, wild west. And there is stuff that's not going to last. You know, my disclaimer, and it's not biased to me, but I say support the artists that actually have a practice in the real world amongst everything they're doing versus fly-by-night people that are churning and burning. And then they might be gone. And those, yeah. those NFTs may have sold a lot, may have hyped a lot, may have whatever and may disappear and lose their value. So, I mean, it is a gamble. We don't yeah. know what it's going to play out with. Um, yeah. You know, the good ones are the good ones. But also do it because you love the art and, and you love the space and you understand it. Don't. It's just like when I was a financial advisor, people were like, oh, right now Tesla's flying, right? Tesla's flying, let's buy, 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 buy. And you buy at the top of the market. It's like a thousand something right now. Let's just say that Hertz deal that just really made it go up, right? Dies. And Tesla cuts by three or four hundred. Now your emotions like, oh my God, it's going down. Sell, 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 so I don't lose anymore. All of a sudden, you bought at peak, you sold at a crash, you lost double. Yeah. Because you're acting emotionally. And if you're acting emotionally to try to get rich quick because you can buy this NFT or this is going to pop or whatever. The- don't do it. Don't do it for that reason. That's the, that's the only disclaimer I really have to put in there. Don't go in after hypes. Do your research. Learn it. It's better to miss out than try to do something you don't understand and have the opportunity of like really losing and losing badly. And especially in this, this climate, like who knows what's happening with the economy. It's, it's hard out there. So just, just be careful. And I know, I know when we're in desperate positions, we, we try to swing for the fessive. That's just how we're wired as humans yeah so that that's that's my my thing on it go do your research go learn it go understand it i still don't understand all of it so i'm like doing it slowly yeah, but i do yeah. know I, I need a full team to, to really take it to where i want to take it to give it the service that it needs mm. because of everything else i've done right murals fine art prints yep. clothing and merch like this is a full-time gig sculptures and now there's NFTs in there, right? Or I had a really cool opportunity to shoot a pilot for a TV show. So if that gets picked up, then that's going to take me down that path. So there's always things that 
I always say, choose your battle. See where you're really going to focus on. But don't do it for the cash grab right now, right? A lot of people lost a lot of money in that crypto cash grab when Ethereum was really high at 400, 500, and then it crashed for a long time. And I mean, I just held all my crypto in the wallets. I'm like, it'll come back. I mean, I took out profits and I left stuff in there, but I mean, those accounts were really high at some point. And then they were really low at some point. And I lost a lot on different altcoins. So like, I only mess with Bitcoin and Ethereum. I don't touch anything else. But uh, it's a long game. Just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Everything's a long game. What I'm doing, I always play a long game. I appreciate that uh, insight because everybody's kind of got a different perspective on it. And if you go down these rabbit holes, like, you know, YouTube and every other platform out there is truly a rabbit hole, especially around platforms and technology that's literally being defined in front of us as we go. Like nobody knows what's going to ultimately rise from all of this, but you said something there that I think is absolutely true too. And I know Gary V talks about this as well and has done interviews with people in the crypto space and NFT space. And they always talk about like, the ones that ultimately have the best opportunity of coming out the other side of all of this world um, and being stable and being actually valuable are the ones that are rooted in like real world businesses. And they're, they're about the people, the community and the artists, you know? So like in the past, we might've invested in, in a, in a piece of our work to put into our house and stuff. And, yeah, you can say that the art itself is inspiring and something that, you know, physically you can touch and, and whatnot. But a lot of times it's the story of the artist that ultimately is what compels people to want to buy, right? And which is why, you know, the tragedy of artists is a lot of times that their their artwork doesn't realize like the monetary value that it uh, typically does in their living life as much as it does when they're past, right? You see many artists that their stuff just explodes um, when they're no longer on this earth. So yeah, the people, and, and from your perspective too, I think you're bang on as far as like build the team around you, which obviously is just another evolution of you as a business person too, right? Like naturally you've done this in certain capacities and in parts of your business, I'm sure, like have people working with and for you. And this is just another, another step, right? Build the digital team around you to help you build that community on discord and and everything in between. So it's exciting. I'm looking forward to having more conversations about that stuff. So, um, and I appreciate the insight from an artist's perspective. So I've got a handful of questions here to wrap us up here, Ruben. It's, uh, I call it the one thing lightning round. Doesn't mean you have to answer with one word or anything like that, but it's just intentional um, in the kind of questions that I ask you that are all related to one thing. So you ready to roll on that? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> all right. First question. Who is one person or mentor that has been the most influential in your life all time? So you can go right back to childhood if you'd like. That's tough. You know, I'm going to go with two celebrities because I'm not a big celebrity, this, that, yada, yada person, but it's Kobe Bryant and The Rock. Mm. And it's because I saw the journeys from start to finish. And I saw, unfortunately, Kobe's gone, where he was before he was leaving us and how his art came. And then you see The Rock. Mm. So it's, it just shows me grit, grind, work. Anyone can make it there. And just because you made it doesn't mean you stop working and your vision ends and your mission ends. So that's why that those two are just always like 
Go, go, go. Those are my guys. Perfect. Next question. Who is the one person mentor that is the most influential in your life right now at this time? Honestly, my kid. Mm. I always love the honest answer, just so you know. (laughs) He's he's just turned eight months. And the beautiful thing and what I've noticed, we took him to Spain. People are like, oh, he's not going to remember. I'm like, that's not the point. He's still, we took him and he's part of that. It's part of what we're trying to do. But I started looking at him and I studied human movement, kinesiology. I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. So you see that move perfectly up and down, squats, all the, all the stuff. And you're starting to see that. And he's just teaching. He's like, when did humans become, once the moment of like, I bend over terribly and hurt my back versus squatting down. And it becomes a thing of, of, Bending over is lazy because squatting is more efficient, but it takes more work. So that's one thought. But mm-hmm. everything is new to him. And everything is going to be new to him for a very long time, which means I'm going to see it in new eyes again and relate to when I was a child. So right now, he is my biggest mentor because I'm seeing the world all over again through his eyes and just little things. And I think it's beautiful. <laughs> that's that's an amazing answer man and I, like i say like it's a lot of times these questions if people overthink them then they go down the path of trying to figure out exactly but like if it's the thing that comes to mind it's usually the right answer you know so you nailed it next question what is one philanthropic cause that means the most to you and why I don't have one very, very specific thing. I believe that what we should do is really focus on the country we're in and be able to give back as best we can, whether it's time, monetary, or just stuff. I think time's the biggest gift you can give someone because even if you don't have money, you can give time. And time is not something you can get back. Beautify Earth, obviously, is something we started and putting up murals in different spaces and stuff like that. But it's building the relationship with some of the people I've been working now. Like, I have this ongoing thing with an organization called Ava's Kitchen um, with Jason Kalipa and his wife, Ashley. And they started it because of their daughter, Ava. She got sick. And I've been able to be a part of that for a couple of years now. There was a hiatus through COVID, so... To me, it's the people and what they're doing. It's not so much the mission, but I see that they put all this effort into it and do do some really good work. I'm doing something in in December with another organization around suicide prevention and mental health. And part of my work is also like, you belong here. You know, love, all that. It, It just feeds into everything. So I don't have one thing. I think it's really choosing the people that I'm going to partner with strategically um, I will say what rubs me the wrong way is like I do get a lot of, of messages and I'm always super honored and humbled, but it's, it's really come, Hey, can you donate to this? Mm. I'm like, who are you? Where's the context? What's the story? And there is a sense of, if I just donate art to something randomly, the value of the art itself doesn't even translate, nor the message of, of if I can go in there and speak about it or do something bigger. So some of the organizations I do partner with is because I go in there and speak and I do something either live or I'm really part of the event, like a showcase. And that I've realized way more money gets raised. 
You know, I, we did a couple hundred thousand for the zoo one year. We did a couple hundred thousand for each year of Ava's Kitchen. And that's because then there's a story of like, how did I become the artist? What does my art mean? I'm sharing it other than here, bid on this. It's an original piece of artwork by Ruben. I go, who's Ruben? I'll give you a hundred bucks. I'm like, you know, that retails for way more than that. So it's, yeah. Yeah. So that gets, it gets tough, but, but it's like, it's people. It's how, how it becomes the thing. Love that answer too. A lot of the guests that I have on my show are entrepreneurs. I, I just naturally kind of gravitate to them because I am one myself and many of them have a similar answer, which is my work and what I do and how I show up every day is my contribution. It's my philanthropy work. You know, it's never one, it's never, you know, some well-known cause that, uh, that people donate through an online forum to. It's literally like, no, what I do every day is about changing the world. So, and I, I think that's important for people to hear sometimes too, right? Because whenever you hear people talk about these other uh, nonprofits and whatnot too, there's a lot of distrust that comes with it. And for the same reasons that you're just talking about right now, right? It's like, what is the actual meaning behind it? What's the story? What is the personal tie to this stuff? That's what moves people, right? It's the curiosity, the actual you know, appreciation for something, that type of thing. Perfect. Okay. A couple more questions. What is one thing you are most grateful for right now? Being born exactly who I am right here in Los Angeles. (laughs) Excellent. What is one thing you are most curious about right now and looking to learn more about explore? No, one thing. There's not one thing can be many i don't have i mean it's going to be my son again that's that's the answer to this one right now because i'm curious in everything and there's no one thing because it's all the things i'm always trying to do all of the things but that's the one thing i'm like curious as to who's he going to be at one who's he going to be at two you know, what's he going to become? What's he going to like? What sports he going to play? Is he going to hate sports? Is he going to be a musician? Is he? Yep. You know, so that's like the ultimate curiosity is right there right now. Perfect answer. Hope it stays that way. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Last question. What is one thing that scares you right now that you know you need to meet with bravery? Just TED Talk on next Saturday? <laughs> That I'm going to forget a word and I'm going to get stuck in my head. That's one thing. You know, honestly, it's life in general. I, I don't walk around with a lot of fear of like, I'm afraid of dying or I'm not going to be able to fulfill my mission or anything. But I think it's it's tough right now. Let's talk about the entrepreneurial journey. It's like, I've gotten this thing up to X. How do now I get it from to here? And there's a little bit of unknown mm. fear here. And I need to be brave about it. And that's whether like, how do I start really figuring out not only how to generate more money, but to bring on the right employees and employees that are going to help us scale and get like, get into an urban outfit, get into a Nordstrom's, like be able to spread the mission in different places, partner with a Nike, things like that, but also allow me to still do what I need to do to create. So there's a little fear in the balancing act of how do I get here? I don't know. Like I know a lot about this, but how do I go from here to like here? How does this become Nike level? 
So there's fear, and I have to be brave. And, and the bravery is really in like trust the process, keep going forward, long play vision. The answers will present themselves, but you got to keep moving forward. And then, dude, taking a risk, am I going to run out of money? You know, every time I buy new clothing, that's a lot of money locked up in stuff. Is it going to sell? Is it not going to sell? Yeah, I, I don't have investors. I don't have credit line. Like this is all me. So every dollar I make, I'm putting into the business, and what really brings in the money, you know, it's a big mural or a sculpture or a piece of art. So every time, you know, I sell one of those, it's super amazing. I'm like, I'm humble. Just the fact that I could do what I could do is just super humble. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your vulnerability and honesty in answering all these questions, man. Like the, the last three that I asked there all have a common theme to them, which is for, is, which is really what I'm doing this podcast for. And and also it's grounded back into my kids too, right? I know that they're going to watch this in, who knows, they're three and four right now. So maybe in five years, but certainly in 10, 15, 20 years from now. And I want them to hear people's answers about what are they grateful for? What are they curious about? And what do they need to meet with bravery? Because those are three things I want them to exemplify as they go forward to and know that they should just take the leap. They're going to, they'll figure it out. You know, if you trust the process, Go down this path. Lead with love is another piece of that now that I will be adding to that as well. So yeah, I appreciate the conversation, man. And and hey, food food for thought here. One thing you might do to expand on your business opportunities is shipping outside of the U.S. I don't think any of your stuff ships out of the U.S., does it? Does it come to Canada? It does when it gets ordered. So I've shipped to China, Japan... Philippines, Saudi, Dubai, UK, Scotland, Ireland, Canada, multiple times, uh, South America. It's, it's, I'm like, whoa, awesome. This is going to Tokyo. I don't yeah. market it, you know, because it is, there's an import tax on the other end. But if you want something you can't get at home and you like it, that's the whole point. I've ordered stuff in the UK or other places and it is what it is because you can't get it. Um, yeah, but one day be able to have stuff held outside so they can get it more reasonable. But right, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If, uh, if the orders come in, they come in. I, I don't really market outside of the U.S., but we've definitely had some fun orders. Well, that's good to know. I, I'll be one of your next uh, purchasers here soon. My wife is loving all of your stuff. She says, tell Ruben that I follow him on Instagram and I love all of his stuff. So I was actually... Uh, I think I dove into your site recently to go and try and buy something and I couldn't navigate how to get it to Canada, but it was probably user error on my part. So I'll be one of your next customers, buddy. And uh, how can people find out more about you and find out more about your artwork, the merchandise, just everything you got going on, your TEDx talks, all the above? So the easiest thing is almost everything is Ruben Rojas. So at Ruben Rojas on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, rubenrojas.com you can go in there and subscribe to the emails and you'll get different emails it's not all just merch drop but it's once a month there's like a spread love email where i i show like podcasts that i was on or magazines or new projects or things like that i really focus on i also have a text platform you can text 213-460-LOVE and get twice a week a little dose of love text that i send out to people uh, you know, just little thoughts and things that, that, that run through my head and I'll shoot that out. So that's basically it. 
Cool. I'll link it all up. And yeah, the text message one is is really great. It's something that I've explored a bit as a marketer and, um, you know, just try to figure out exactly how it fits into the mix. But I think the way that you're doing it is is exactly how it's supposed to be done, which is just literally like, how can you add value into somebody's life one little micro piece at a time, you know, a couple of words that somebody just needs to hear and randomly, right? That can create a massive ripple effect and a whole lot of more love in this world. So uh, I'll make sure to link all that up. Thank you again, Ruben, for doing this. I appreciate it, buddy. And uh, we'll have to get together again soon here. Yeah, man. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave. 